first, first of all, I mean, I know it's a, it's the kind of it's the subject that we none of us really want to talk about, but it's too much everywhere not to. But how have you been finding the last year? How's that situation? Oh you just God. you know this is this is you know make sorry I forgot I'm meant to say because this is the first of a monthly series of conversations literary conversations we're talking about creativity but it's not limited to being a writer you know we all look at the blank page we all have to come up with ideas and I think lockdowns affected people in that way uh, a lot so what's it been like for you? Well, I, I've been sort of mad with rage. I don't think I've ever been so angry in my life as I have been this year because of the whole <laughs> freedom thing. So uh, that's what, but I mean, as far as practically speaking, I've got very good company and my children are kind of grown up in good company. I like my family. I've got a nice house and a garden, all that kind of stuff. Literally, nothing on that front have I got anything to complain about at all. But on the, uh, what is the government doing to our, our freedom, it sort of kept me awake at night, every night, waking with rage or utter despair. So, yeah. What does rage, what does rage do for your creativity? Does it stunt it or...? Uh, actually, it's funny because I started... Uh, I'm doing something different at the moment because I'm just putting this other book out there because of the everyone's got... I think everyone's angry in different ways. And I think that's why the whole woke thing has gone so mad at the moment. So a book that I wrote before the lockdown, which was full of jokes about wokeness at a time when people hadn't really heard of wokeness or not properly, now I'm putting out there. So that, that's all quite exciting and good fun. But yeah. half through the uh, lockdown, I started writing a, a sort of comic, dark, dystopian novel about uh, a, a society that that completely beached itself because it was so afraid of all risk and uh, the trouble was with every day that passed you know I, I, there was nothing left to parody because there was that awful man Gove saying we can't eat one scotch egg or we must eat two or <laughs> sanity of what we were being told we could or couldn't do so then yeah. I got the deepest gloom ever in the history of ever and uh, stopped it but actually now I think I, I'm, I'm probably going to go back to it and it'll, it'll lighten up a bit and it, I mean the idea is still quite funny I think everyone has to wear hard hats when they get on the bus and stuff. Well no, no and I definitely I want to talk about your guy work character in, in a minute because we're going to talk, talk about that. Um, I mean funny enough I do I agree with you it is very uh, angry making in some ways I feel like it's quite a good thing because young people now recognize how much power the government has yes, yes absolutely to use it and we haven't really seen that demonstrated in no times, so. i think i quite agree on, on a kind of bigger scale i think it's really useful for them all to wake up and not trust authority in the way that they have and all trust received opinion in the way that i think particularly this generation uh, has has done so yeah in the long run I hope that yes, it will. It will. It will. In fact, make people more independent and think more for themselves. But mm. the, the, when I see people trudging through the streets, looking terrified with ninety-three masks on their faces, it just—I think what what has our species become that we are so cowed and so frightened? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, as you can see, I'm still quite angry. <laughs> It's very much in the vein of your family. I mean, your grandfather is obviously Evelyn Moore, but your father, Oberon Moore, um, I mean, he's famous for his work with private eyes. So you're, you know, so you, and your mother was a literary translator. So you were yeah. brought up in an atmosphere of challenge. Yes, absolutely. My mother's wonderful. She's 18. She is damned if she's going to be told what to do by the government. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely fiery and fierce. And I'm so proud of her it's very wonderful to see anyway but uh, yeah my father they're all um you know they're all my father particularly very very keen to knock um 
a sort of nonsense, bullshit, pomposity. Uh, and and I know that he had his enemies, but he was in in in, in many ways incredibly uncorruptible. Although he was worldly and naughty and wicked and all that kind of stuff, he had a core of of uh, he would have been absolutely mortified. Well, <laughs> he he is turning in his grave. I think we can say by what's going on at the moment. I, I yeah. So what was it like? So growing up in your household, then was it was it about you know? The, I feel like humour is quite a big driving force for you in the in the way that you kind of come back at the world in a way. Yes, and it was. I think it definitely what definitely was at home. Um, but I mean, you know, and I well, there were lots of incredibly sort of impassioned arguments about. I don't know, abortion or whatever was the conversation of the time. Catholicism actually was quite, we talked a lot about religion. Um, all that stuff, I and mean, that was absolutely the, the, what we did at, at, at supper was sort of fight about ideas. Mm. And it got quite noisy and bad tempered, but, but, but it was certainly, so I think um, <laughs> I can still sort of see, uh, my father just did not like people who, he was very impatient of people who talked in cliches or didn't think for themselves. And he would have this groan if you said something that was just kind of hadn't been thought out, didn't have any rigor to it. He'd just go, oh, yeah. I, I have inherited that to a, you know, I can't, I can't. And I, I remember when I was about 10 walking through the woods with him, 11 or something. And I was telling him the story of a film, which is anyway, an incredibly boring thing to do. And I just, <laughs> it and he said, Days, wouldn't it be awful if I suddenly dropped dead with boredom? <laughs> Yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> so. You have to make sure that wasn't going to happen. You took off, I mean, you published your first book at 21. Um, so, you know, one might feel that when you've got such a kind of literary weight behind you, that could be quite difficult to overcome. Did you just, how did you deal with that? Or did you just, was it never really? Well, you're a writer, you'll know this. It's the, you know, there's a compulsion to write. And, and I actually, it was an enormous weight, obviously, as well as being an advantage, a monumental weight. And uh, it's really only in the last few years that I've just thought, what the hell, I, I do it, I don't care. But there's also the other, and I did try to kind of furniture design and psychology and sort of things that to try. But in the end, I do actually feel very, uh, you know, I, 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 I love to write and I, and I, and I sort of, it's the thing I do best, and uh, so in the end, so be it. You know, I it, and I did try not to because it, it can get. It used not anymore, but it used to be, you know. Because also, obviously, if you've had someone like Evelyn War in your background, who's your great, you've got the same name and that kind of stuff. Nothing you ever do will ever measure up. That's the deal. That's you know nothing. So no matter how well you do. It's never really that well but it, but you know what so what actually so, yeah i think you kind of find um you find another level yeah um yeah. i think in some ways the brits are quite good at finding their level with that because i think you're sort of growing up with the idea that shakespeare is the best writer of all and no one can ever overcome yeah. that you, so you don't even ever bother to try to be yeah. the great yeah belong to a special space and so instead you just occupy this different Yes, that's true. Sure. I wish I'd talked to you 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying I necessarily got there myself. Um, but when you're, so how, I mean, how did your compulsion to write, um, how does that, how does that manifest itself for you when you're not doing an actual novel or, you know, are you writing at other times about, I mean, I, I write out, by the way, I mean, I just, on a personal level, 
I never thought I was a writer for a very long time. And then I realised that I'd always written out to process my... Right, exactly. Yeah, so I'd I'd write letters that wouldn't get sent to people that were troubling me or, you know, whatever diaries. And it wasn't really stories, but somehow there was this, if I wrote it down, that would somehow process. And it it. does, though, doesn't it? It clarifies. Yeah, it it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Find the narrative. Um, do you get do you get your ideas that way or so far I've never had I don't know the ideas just keep on coming I don't seem to have any problem with the ideas um at all I I I just any writer does I think it's not really the the writing it's the it's not the ideas, it's, it's, it's sitting down making and the idea it. work. Yeah, and making the idea work, yeah. But yeah. it's also the sitting down and doing it, I think. Yeah. My God, the number of tricks you can come up with not to do that. There was one, I had a desk once in one, one place I lived. I got a desk built. Actually, now they're quite fashionable because they're good for your back. But then I had a desk that, that was, so you had to stand to use it because then I could kind of kid myself that I wasn't actually working. I was just kind of passing through. Yeah. By my desk, and that that worked. I wrote a couple of novels standing up like that. Oh, so what? So by pretending that you're not really writing, yes, that's, yeah, write. exactly. that's yeah. quite interesting. I've done the, the tip I always took from Simon was to write ideas on scraps of paper rather than you know people always give you these lovely beautiful notebooks ah, and yeah. they never get used because they're far too pristine to put ah, terrible ideas on. They're no good for ideas at all. I've got stacks of them, but I've got endless kind of bad bits of paper near the, the and if I can just... Yeah, have to have them by your bed as well. Before yeah. yeah. There was actually, the Robert Harris wrote, uh, uh, oh, he's written lots of quite good books. There was one he wrote called The, I think it was The Ghostwriter. Anyway, this, the, the, yeah, it must be, because the, the guy goes off to, on a retreat to write his book, and uh, it's very silent and very quiet, and he says something about it. it's the sort of place that, people who don't write would imagine it's the perfect place to write, but actually it's, there's just nothing and you can't, I mean, in a vault, I can't, I, uh, I used to, in the good old days when cafes were open, I used to go and write in cafes just because there's a sort of buzz of noise and life. Yeah. You, you, you live in the country. I, yeah. I mean, I, do, I used to do a lot of work in cafes. I do, do I still do sometimes. I've, I've got more grumpy in lock, lockdown about working by myself because my husband and I shared an office for, We've shared an office for about 10 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, or shared a room or a kitchen table, even when we started. We sat yeah. at the end of the kitchen table. But I found when I started doing fiction five years ago, I find it harder and harder to have anybody else around yeah. Yeah. in initial process. So I started kind of shoving them out. And also that, that thing with lockdown, which is slightly odd, is that if you're in a family, it's it's the fact that everyone's been here the whole time. So mm-hmm. the house is full of people yeah. all day as opposed you know so I haven't had those yes. I know, a few hours of of just getting very lost yeah. I'm, a, I'm a I'm kind of it's one of those things where I definitely I'm quite disciplined and that I show up at my desk every day but I'm definitely a procrastinator yeah I'm constantly coming up with new things oh yes this is my routine I need to read all of the newspapers before I can start writing something <laughs> actually what gets me writing is in an hour and a half I absolutely have to go downstairs because George is home from school exactly (laughs) exactly it's nothing more 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 magnificent than that it's simply which was the standing thing again it's that thing if you feel like you're kind of just 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 rushing or just grabbing and stealing the moment 
it's a... I love this idea of sort of pretending to write. So we're going to take questions in a couple of minutes, but I do want to ask you about your new venture, self-publishing. So you, you've had a lot of, you know, big publishing contracts and you're, you know, like, so you're published with Little Brown, um, like me, but your next book, The Guy Woke, you're, you're going down the self-publishing route and you've said you found that a really fun thing yeah, it's fun. yeah kind of so why 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 did you decide to do that well obviously because I couldn't find a publisher but <laughs> but actually I mean, I'm in a contract for another one I've got those total ones you just held up the next one of that's coming out and the other one so I'm still kind of in but this one is about woke it's about woke culture and it's a it's a it's a uh, diary written by a 20 year old sweet but completely half-baked and illiterate boy who gets himself into a great tangle because he's so desperate not to cause anyone offence and meanwhile his whole life kind of collides in into itself so it, it it's a uh, and the, the thing is uh, the, uh, the 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 problem with uh, with with publishing although it's perfect in many ways as we know is that it is about as woke as any industry in the whole wide world and uh, you know example, tried not to publish um they all got together and even tried not to publish the one who sells more books than anyone in the whole wide world, J.K. Rowling and uh, Jordan Peterson, blah, blah, blah. So it's not that surprising that it couldn't get a publisher. So for a while I thought, oh dear, I'm, you know, old, you know, I'm old school. I thought, oh, just, okay, well, that's just a shame. I'll just leave it on my computer and feel, feel depressed about it. And then it is without, I mean, I wrote it, I, I cried with laughter as I was writing. I can't tell <laughs> of when I was writing it and then I looked at it again and it still makes me laugh aloud I mean it's very I of all the things I've written and I mostly write funny stuff I, I it is it's very I think I think it is incredibly funny anyway and so it's just something that everyone's shouting about and everyone's woken up about wokeness now apart from you know the areas where it is kind of wokeness rules the day an awful lot of people certainly of my generation I won't say ours because I know that you're quite a lot younger um, are sort of slightly waking up to what a nightmare it is this wokeness yeah. how it, you know freedom of speech blah blah blah, blah. so I just thought oh, I, I, I just uh, thought it'd be fun to put it out there and the point is as you know you know with when and I've got a lovely editor by the way now the loveliest editor I've had in 25 years of being published and she's lovely and I've got a beautiful cover and everything's it's lovely but not a single word of complaint but up until this point, how, I mean, how many times have you put a title in and they say, no, no, I, I think mm. once in my life I've had the title I've chosen for the for a book that I've written and the covers, you know, the, I love, I really do, I can't believe my luck with the current setup, but it's the, you know, I, it's beautiful that cover and, and the next one that's coming out is a beautiful cover, but you can choose your cover, you can choose your blurb, you don't have to, it's just, I mean, I think if you're a novelist, you're probably a bit of a control freak anyway, you're creating an entire world so it's control for the power of eternity, you know, obviously. I think, but I think quite a lot of the one's maturity as writers is mostly about facing down the fear. Uh, and so when you first get published and somebody says, no, but this is a better title, you're inclined to trust their judgment. I mean, they're, you know, they're a great big publishing house. I think. Yeah, well past that, actually. But I mean, obviously, sometimes they've got good things to say, but sometimes it's conservative, conservative, place safe, place business though isn't it so listen i'm going to take, take um a question here i've got a somebody one of our forum members michael mean has got a budding writer i can see there in the window um and she would like to know more about the actual publishing process how to find a publisher whether to complete your work before finding one and and so on so um what do you what would you say daisy to a young a young writer getting out there for the first time uh, probably say oh, the same. Very young, right? If you're writing fiction, you definitely got to finish the whole book. Mm. 
Uh, I think there's no doubt about that. I think um, uh, I think uh, don't give up the day job ever. I think uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to bid it, sir. And I think um, um, I mean, I, what, what would you say? Because I, I would not advise. Yeah, I, mean, I, think honest, you have not... To, I think you have to, to write the whole thing for fiction generally. Um, but I honestly think you have to just keep sending it out. I mean, as it, you know, I've got some very successful friends of mine, successful journalists who've moved into fiction who didn't necessarily get a bite first time and then thought, oh, you know, maybe I haven't got it right. I thought I knew how to get it right, but I didn't. And actually, and I would just keep saying, you know, you only need that one bite. You mm. just need the one person who believes in you, who, who understands the book and gets it, who can take it forward. So, I mean, you know, it's why you hear the story all the time of people who got rejected by 30 publishers and then got the one and the book was a runaway hit, you know, just don't, I don't think you have to believe they do necessarily know if somebody says no, that's just them saying no, it's not. Yeah, it's not a reflection of the book at all. Yeah, but I think it's also important actually, because I think we've all been so raised on the whole American dream. And if you're determined enough, you can get it and all that kind of stuff. And actually we hear about the people who are rejected 30 times who then have a runaway success. What we don't hear about are the thousands of people who have 30 rejections and then have 40 rejections and mm. then have 50 rejections. And I think that, you know, we can get a bit, sort of dishonest and sentimental and 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 disingenuous actually about 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 the nature of the the nature of the game and i think mm -hmm. uh you know i i suppose the main thing i would say and i uh, it's taken me years to, but i think if you love the process then that's what you need to focus on and the rest is icing and actually i don't know about you but most of my writer friends the act although it's lovely to get the i love it when you get the finished product and stuff mm. so much about publishing is irritating or disappointing <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the process oh, you know, of giving back something that you you feel is good is mm. wonderful and when you're lost in that moment of writing the stuff that you and you know it's just flying that's wonderful and that's it's it's peaceful that's it's wonderful it. yeah. so that's yeah. what i would say yeah that's i hope I, is that rain that's honest. No, I think you're right. I think you're right not to be disingenuous. So I've got a question from Louisa Baldini March. Uh, there saying, uh, do we do you feel a pressure to write and keep producing, or is it genuinely for the love of it? I think I've answered that. Genuinely for the love of it. Yeah, I would say I definitely well, I've I've had quite stiff contracts. I had uh, sort of a book a year on the non-fiction front, and then the series that I'm doing at the moment has been a, a book a year on a fiction mm. book. It's, because it's my first set of novels, I took it like a like a masterclass in, in you know, kind of for one, as it were. So I just feel like I'm just getting, hopefully, better and better. And I've been very lucky in that I've been very guided by my editors um, along the way. So that's really kind of helpful. It's only now, I would say, am I getting to the point where process of the writing is more exciting than the on end product itself right. there is so yeah. much focus on the end product yeah. just from the rest of the world when yeah, yeah, it's coming yeah. out what's it going to look like how can I read it you know what is what's the cover you know what is it what is it you know and and also this feeling that a book isn't a book until people read it I mean that in it I do love it from that point of view it's a malleable piece of art from that point of view because different people read it and take different things from it but I no longer I, I no longer own it at that point yeah it's yeah, not yeah, mine exactly. you yeah. know so the bit where it's just still this is mine and I'm 
just now beginning to find it really exciting, the idea of trying something that might totally fail or that no one might like or but it you know but and I've been for a long time and I've only just got to that point yeah but you're writing uh, you're on number five of the mid yeah. uh, yeah. and how many do you see a point where you want to do you get sort of a bit well, maybe you don't want to say kind of restless about writing something completely different or do you want to keep on going with that series or how do you yeah. well I have written something completely I wrote something completely different last year because it was the um basically all the lockdowns and I got asked randomly by an Italian Italian publishing house to write a novella um, and they said you can write pretty whatever you want we just want to publish it which is sort of extraordinary um, yeah, but it was the, the whitest blank page I've ever read <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I thought oh I'm going to do you know I'll, I'll use an old idea and in the end I did use the kernel of an of an old idea but it is completely different to anything else that I've written and I'm very excited about it because it is a totally new way uh, uh, and you know and I've got that feeling that the, the potential to do more and more with that and also I think you understand the more, longer you're writing that progress in writing is not necessarily linear you know you'll yeah. write a good book and then, you'll, then you might write a really crap one yeah. Mm. then you can write a good one again you know yeah. whereas in every other sort of in lots of other careers there's that sort of advancement I think I got a lot of that from my mother because she was an actress it's the same in the acting world you get a big part and then you get a small part and yeah and it's yeah you have to roll with it there's a guy a, fr a friend of mine I know sorry one of my one of my cousins is going out with a, a guy who for years was a struggling musician and then turned into I suppose kind of rock star but anyway I won't tell you his name he's American Anyway, the point is, he uh, he he said to my daughter, who's about to be a playwright, he said, "So you want to be in creative? Sorry, I forgot they're Americans listening. He's <laughs> wonderful stuff." He said, "So you want to be in the creative? Uh, you want to do something creative?" And she said, "Yes, I want to play." And he said, "Oh man, there are days when you're going to wake up in the morning and think, man, I'm a loser." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish someone had said that to me 35 yeah. years ago. It's part it's of the deal. Interesting that they that they didn't. Do you think? You know that there was no sort of family legend about the difficult sort of times that your grandfather had. As no, well. and I think that actually, no, no. I come from a very successful family and also a very yeah. English family, which kind of, you know, you paddle like hell. What's it called? A duck. So you paddle like hell under the surface. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you know, you stay diffident and don't make too much noise uh, above the surface, which is great, but it takes. Um, it takes, uh, you know, you, 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 it takes a bit of a while to catch, to, to, to catch on, I think. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, so I, I think um, I certainly have been much more open with my children about them. Man, I'm a loser part of it. So listen, we're bang on half past four. So um, I feel like we might just, because we started a bit late, might just do the one, one last question that's come in um, from, from Margot Shapiro from San Francisco. Uh, how do you discipline yourself when staring at a blank page? So I, I think, yeah, deadlines are good. And uh, the, 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 you know, the thing, if I've only got a certain amount of time, I also am quite self-disciplined, to be honest. But the other thing is, uh, uh, so I sort of hate myself if I don't do what I've set out to do, that kind of thing. But the other thing I do, especially when my children were smaller, but when there wasn't a lockdown, is I'd go away for a week uh, to Rome, actually, mostly in the last few years, where I've got a couple of friends and then I'd work all day very, very hard, would have to hit a certain word count or whatever by the end of the day and then go out and, and get drunk. And that, that was... Uh, God, it's perfect. That, that was, was really having 
What? That was Ernest Hemingway's routine. <laughs> he would drink all night, but he got up at six and then he worked till really short day, sentence. I mean, <laughs> swim and then you drink. Yeah, well, he kept the stick. Thank you so much, Daisy. It's been incredibly nice. Thank you very much. Really best of luck with um with Guy Woke. We can't wait to be to read more about it. Uh in the meantime, we'll send everyone out links. Sorry about the connection issues. Um, if you had those at the beginning, there'll be forum again on Thursday at four o'clock for, for the members. And huge thanks again. Thank you. Yeah, cheers, thanks, Daisy. Bye. Bye. Bye.